Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Called Bank Sports, where I'm still kind of in shock yesterday when I got the notification that Dwayne Wade is going to be a um, minority owner in the Utah Jazz. So Dale and I are super excited about this, and I think that this is a lot more than, you know, just having him throw some money at it and kind of being there as financial support. I really think that Dwayne Wade's going to take the Jazz to the next level as an organization. And Dale, so we're going to start off by discussing how we feel about that and then kind of get to the Donovan Mitchell injury. There's been an update recently and discuss how we think that'll impact the Jazz up to this point. So Dwayne Wade joining the Utah Jazz, um, I had no idea. He's a really good friend of Ryan Smith's, so that makes a lot of sense. And I think it'll be really big to have a former player who is going to be able to help from a business side, but definitely from a um, free agency side is where I really think this is going to be big. So Dale, what are, what are your thoughts and kind of what are you excited for about Dwayne Wade joining the Utah Jazz? Yeah, there's a lot of question marks for me. So I'm glad we're bringing it up on this episode so we can kind of talk through it and, and kind of figure out what we think his actual role will be. Because on the stream last night uh, after the Pacers game, that was something we were talking about a lot. And I, I was just sitting there I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool, but I have no clue exactly what he's doing. Um, what we do know is is Dwayne Wade. He said that this is like this is a financial decision because he wants to grow in the business side of basketball, but it's also he wants to be involved in the team and and understand the organization better. I don't know what his exact goals are, except for that he wants to be involved and that he thinks that this is a big growth opportunity for him. And and most players, I would imagine, like if you want to have a growth opportunity in the business side, you just go be like an assistant GM for your for the Heat in his case. <laughs> but he he actually invested to the Jazz, which is awesome because that's more than just like okay, let me test this out, let's see if I like it. An investment to buy part of the Jazz is a huge commitment, and it's not like he's going to be tired of them in three years and then dip to another team, but. I don't know, like, I'm I'm curious to hear what you have to say about, like, what you think he'll actually bring, the, bring to the table and what his role will be in the organization. I'm really super intrigued to see what he does. I mean, Quinn Snyder did mention that he's going to talk to Dwayne Wade and maybe pick his brain some. And, I mean, Dwayne Wade is a great basketball mind, just like Quinn Snyder. So being able to have those discussions are something that, yeah, they could have had before he was an owner. But it's something that might even they might even be more inclined to have. And that could be concerning with some owners. Like, I think we all would agree that James Dolan in New York being too hands on of an owner is the worst thing that has ever happened to the Knicks and is why they're such a travesty right now. So obviously, Dwayne Wade isn't going to be able to go and say, like, hey, we're making this trade. This is the draft pick. And he might have some thoughts on it. Um, But. Overall, the biggest thing that just keeps coming to mind for me is who went and knocked on LeBron James' door at 10 at 10 p.m. Pacific time and said, hey, we want you to be a Laker. I mean, it was Magic Johnson. And Dwayne Wade isn't Magic Johnson. I get that. But if you're a free agent, you know, if you're a 20-something-year-old sitting down in a, in a room in Utah and you have Donovan Mitchell in that room, you have Rudy Gobert, you have Ryan Smith, who's just a young, super um, super energetic odor. And then you have Dwayne Wade, 
like someone you watched up play, you watched playing basketball grow when you were growing up. And Dwayne Wade says, Hey, we want you here in Utah. I mean, that's just another level of someone with a championship pedigree who's going to be a Hall of Fame player, one of the best shooting guards to ever play the game. I feel like that just overall brings this, just this weight behind the Jazz as an organization. And then also, I mean, especially because he is black, he is African-American. And that's something that if you live in Salt Lake City and if you live in Utah and you look around, there's not a lot of black people here. So having um, somebody who is very similar to a lot of the players and saying like, hey, no, I do like Utah. It is a good place. Like, come here just adds a lot more weight to it. So that's where I think overall it's going to be really big is being able to retain players like Donovan Mitchell, but also hopefully bring in new players, bring in new stars to be able to win a championship here in the next few years and maybe become the next Golden State. Do I think that's going to happen? No, but that would be really cool to see the Jazz get to that level of competition. I don't know that I feel... It's a slight off track with the Golden State thing, but like, yeah, that I, I think, just I think went the offense, far, but... like, well, I think the offense of the Jazz is like really similar, and the talent that the Jazz have is really similar to the Golden State. Those, um, the year before they won and the year that they won the first one. So, I like different teams, but I, I think there's a lot of similarities there. But yeah. getting back to Dwayne Wade, one thing that I want to see him do. Uh, I would love uh, whether this is like his official role or if he just kind of does this because he does it, but I would love to see him be like one of the in-between guys between the players and, and the organization, the players in the front office. Obviously I'm pretty sure the jazz have it set up where the players um, and the front office can interact whenever, like it's not like they're separate, but I know that there's this feeling around the league that a lot of players don't trust front offices. They they may yeah. go to them and say, hey, this is what I want, but they know in the back of their head, like there's no guarantee they're getting that um, unless they're like a big enough star like Anthony Davis. Um, so, and, and like with the JJ Redick trade to Dallas on his podcast, I thought this was really interesting because players haven't had a voice like this in the past, but he came out, he had a whole... Uh, 10 15 minute segment explaining what happened with the trade how he asked the pelicans that he wanted to be closer to his family who was yeah. living in brooklyn so he's saying trade me to the knicks trade me to the nets trade me to philly it was basically like the the teams that he would feel okay playing around because that way he could be close to his family and then they traded him to dallas and he, he had to like backtrack he's like he's like i love dallas i love mark cuban like i'm excited to play there but it was this is not what it was, I wanted. It was further yeah. away than what I wanted. So I'm like, so I think that kind of expresses a sentiment that a lot of players have. But if you have someone like Dwayne Wade coming to you and saying, "Hey, like we're a players' organization. We want to do what's best for you," and that's going to make a player a lot more comfortable, especially like a young rising star player saying, "Okay, yeah, I'll I'll come to the Jazz. I have Dwayne Wade's word that it's going to work out for me." And then if it doesn't, I have his words that they're going to do good by me. And so, and he, like you said, like Dwayne Wade, like people, he's a trusted guy around the league. He's one of the best shooting guards ever. So people are going to listen to him more than um, someone who's like currently playing for the organization, obviously. 
No, I definitely agree with that. And I think it's kind of a rough spot. Like the biggest issue with JJ Redick is he asked for that trade a before the season. So it wasn't like he's what he said, Oh, I want to get on the Blake Griffin and I want to get on the James Harden bandwagon and go to the nets. But when he asked for that trade, he was promised that he would get that trade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that he was promised that if he didn't want to stay in New Orleans, they'd send him up there. So that's the thing that I w- would be careful with if I'm the Jazz. As much as they are a player's organization and want to continue to be that, is never make a promise that you're not 100% sure you're going to keep. Since, obviously, J.J. Redick is still a good player in today's NBA. You know, he still carries value. And I do think that the Dallas trade was the better trade for the Pelicans organization. But once you go and you promise JJ Redick, Hey, don't worry. If you don't, if you want to leave New Orleans, we're going to send you to new England. Then you put yourself in a bind there when you don't send him there. So I, that's the hardest thing I think about, um, like giving players promises is then you have to keep promises. (laughs) And sometimes you end up in a business. I mean, especially from a business side, things change so frequently that you can make a promise one day and then all of a sudden the things that the reasons you made that promise just don't line up anymore. Yeah. You, you always want to under promise and over deliver, but at least yeah. you can't over deliver under promise. So that way you're not like stuck in a corner. Yeah, definitely. So I think overall, he's just going to bring a lot to the jazz. And I think there's a lot that we're not going to see because I mean, most of the time you don't get to where Dwayne Wade got by being dumb. Like he's a really smart guy to be able to process what's going on in the court, to be a ball handler like that. You need to be intelligent. And he's, he obviously seems to have a great business acumen. Um, I'm sure that Ryan Smith believes that. I mean, when you think about it, what have Dwayne Wade and Ryan Smith been discussing these last six or so years that they've been friends There's been some basketball, I'm sure, but I'm sure there's a lot of business to it. So they have that intimate knowledge of each other's understanding of business and basketball. And Dwayne Wade's, I'm sure, going to have to learn a lot. But I'm sure a lot will be going on behind the scenes of things that we just don't see. And we'll be able to see a fraction of it, you know, in whether or not a free agent decides to come to Utah. Um, how Donovan Mitchell continues to improve if he ends up investing more time in that relationship than he has in the past, which he's already put a lot of time into to begin with. Yeah, I, I, I'm really excited for what's going to happen. I like there's a lot of question marks and that I, I feel like like you brought up the Ryan Smith, Dwayne Wade relationship a couple times. And I don't think that was only a big decision like like. Obviously, that was big to get Dwayne Wade here. But thinking about that, uh, if Ryan Smith has been like talking to someone like Dwayne Wade, that gives me a lot more confidence in him, in, in him as an owner. Because if you think of, like, like the Millers were awesome. I didn't want them to sell yeah. until I found out like it was Ryan Smith, right? Um, yeah, definitely best so, one, too. But. So, but, like, with him, he, if he's been talking to players like Dwayne Wade for a long time, you know he understands, like, the player side of things. You know he... He understands a lot of like the behind the scenes basketball stuff in the NBA that you don't really get to see as a fan. And then also like he's he's a businessman who knows how to market. So if any if like the combination of Ryan Smith and Dwayne Wade, since Salt Lake City has this reputation of, oh, don't go there. It's like too small of a city. There's like you're not going to grow your career outside of basketball there. 
Uh, it's just not the place to be. There's no like nightlife or anything. But if anyone can market Utah to the right people and, and convince them to come to Utah, it's going to be like a combination of Ryan Smith and Dwayne Wade. So I'm totally. I'm excited. I, I think like jazz fans for the most part have never considered getting a big time free agent. But with this combo, I think we're going to at least go after them. Whether we get them or not, like we don't know. That's up to the players, but at least we're going to like have the chance now. Hey, you know Dwayne Wade and LeBron James are really good friends. Maybe maybe this is gonna line up. <laughs> we get LeBron James and LeBron James Jr. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be that would be crazy. No. One thing though that I keep forgetting to bring up is so Shaq has been talking a lot of crap on jazz players this season and this past off season, as everyone knows. And who's been the guy coming up and defending jazz players and defending what's happening? It's been Dwayne Wade, which I'm sure is genuine in some level, but it makes you wonder how long this deal has been in the works and how much that was part of um, Dwayne Wade preparing to be a jazz owner was coming out and be like, hey, like... Stop saying all this crap, Shaq. So we've definitely got a player who does have jazz players back. Oh, sorry, got an owner who does have jazz players backs. And it's this is going to be fun. This, if you told me what was going to happen a year ago, if you said the jazz are going to have the one seed, um, the jazz are going to sell. I would have not thought the jazz were going to sell, but again, I think Ryan Smith is a great owner. And then if you said, and Dwayne Wade is going to be part of the Utah jazz ownership. And you told me that I, I would have asked what you were smoking because this is not what I foresaw happening and, this season at all. And Mike Conley was going to be an all-star because last Mike year Conley, yeah. he was not playing like an all-star. No, he definitely, he definitely wasn't. It's been, it's been such a great season. And, Dale and I are going to get here into a second on how that kind of got derailed yesterday in the third quarter um, with Donovan Mitchell getting a low ankle sprain. But, oh my, it's just been just been an awesome season so far. Yeah, I'm excited to see how it goes on. But with the, the injury with Mitchell, first off, before we talk about the injury, and I talked about this on the stream, but I, I want to bring it up again. The Jazz were playing awful against the Pacers. Um, they had a couple like okay moments, but they were just uh, some brain dead moments. Like like right at the end of the second quarter, they gave up six points in three seconds. Um, and so like the Jazz were playing awful. Then about eight minutes left in the third quarter, Donovan Mitchell gets injured. There's no like good camera angle of what happened, so we're not like exactly sure what happened, but he's injured. And after that, you like it took him forever to walk off the court. Like that's the scariest thing to see your star player do. And then the Jazz started playing with energy. Like they came together. They made every possession count. They were more aggressive on offense and defense. And they came back from double digits and ended up winning by eight. So it's sad that Mitchell like was injured, but I love seeing a team see their best player get injured and then rally around like the jazz did there. Yeah. Um, I love and the, that. The jazz have definitely shown the ability these last four games to have comebacks, right? I mean, I believe they were down double digits against Portland. They went and won that game. They, um, Sacramento, they pretty much, um, won that game outright. 
Washington down double digits still lost, but came back and made a game of it at the end. They got close there. And then to be down double digits against Oklahoma city and Indiana and come back and win both of those games, they've shown that, um, what happened at the beginning of the year where they'd get down big and then lose, they've shown an ability this last week, excuse me, to get down big and then win against lesser caliber opponents. That's going to be harder against, you know, the top tier teams, but they've shown an ability to keep fighting and to win those games, which is just really what you want to see from the jazz that when there is adversity, they end up pulling it out that it's not just, Oh, we get up by 15 in the first quarter and then just hold on to the lead that they can be down by 15 and still make a game of it at the end. And I was shocked to see that the jazz won yesterday. I started taking an exam in the game. So wasn't really watching or paying attention. And frankly, I expected them to lose, especially when I had seen that Donovan Mitchell got injured, but that was a crazy game. And it was awesome to see Bojan um, come out and, definitely show some more flashes of his former self. Yeah, I, I love that, but, uh, and we're going to need to see that because the update on Mitchell is he's going to be out for probably around two weeks, depending on how he, it's not a major sprain. Uh, MRI came back clean, no structural damage, uh, no break. Thank goodness. Um, Like, yeah. So really that was terrifying. So two weeks, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Um, I've I've noticed NBA players do tend to heal faster. I don't know if that's because they just have a lot of attention from doctors. I don't know if it's like they're when they're injured, their full time job is healing, and it's probably also that their their health they're healthier than most of us. They're in great shape, so their body's probably in a more a better position to do that. But looking at the schedule. Let's just say he's out for two weeks. Um, so he's definitely going to miss the Los Angeles games. And so that goes two weeks will be he'll he may or may not be coming back for the Suns game. That's like right let's at just, the end of the two weeks. Yeah, let's just say he's I think it's probably best to assume he's not. He might just not travel with the team for that road trip. And then you have the home game against Toronto on um May 1st and that's kind of like the earliest I'd see him being back. Yeah. It, I, I might want to like, see him back wait a little Phoenix, bit. But yeah, if if he's questionable for Phoenix, don't do it. Um if he's um and maybe if he's like fine but like just barely got cleared, I'd almost not want him to play even though it's going to be a big game. And then just rest him against like Toronto and one of the San Antonio games just like make sure that he doesn't get hurt again and then get yeah. him in there and get warmed him warmed up, in the up second and ready for Denver. Game. Yeah. Which that, I mean, I feel I'm really glad that Donovan will be back so soon. Really still stinks for Jamal Murray. And that's just kind of random to throw in here. But I mean, that duel was one of the best playoff competition I've ever um, competitions I've ever seen last season. So just to know that you're not going to see Jamal be able to have that chance this year and probably even next year really just stinks for the NBA as a whole. It it does open up the Western conference though. It, it's, it's sad. But like the tiniest bit that that's, what's so crazy. Like even with Jamal Murray being out, it's still like, Oh, well, I mean, if you're the jazz, you're like, do we get to play Luca Zion um, Steph Curry or Damian Lillard in the first round, 
which like name do we get to play? Do we get to play probably the next LeBron James and the next best player in discussion for best player of all time in Luka Doncic? Do we get to play Steph Curry and Damian Lillard? Or do we get to play Zion Williamson, who also, you know, I don't think he's as good as Luka, but could very well be in the discussion here in the next few years as Steph or Luka, um, not Steph, sorry, of Zion Williamson or Luka Doncic, who's the who's the best player in the NBA. Like, I, I think that's going to be the discussion. And the fact that they're going to be battling in the play-in tournament just blows my mind. Yeah, Zion's not being talked about enough. Um, it's probably because his team's not doing great, but he is playing incredible basketball. I think in a year where you don't have the top like seven teams of the West being legitimate playoff contenders, Zion would be getting a lot more talk. But when you're not going to be floored if any of the top seven teams go out and win it, which is just what blows my mind since like, who might you kind of be surprised on? Like, okay, maybe Dallas. But like, if Nurkic comes back, then all of a sudden you've got this Portland team who can sure up their defense with him and just go out and have just absolutely dominate. Like, that wouldn't surprise me. It would be crazy, but it, it would it wouldn't be something that I just thought would never happen. Yeah, uh, and the West is just so tight. So um, tight, yeah, yeah. But with that said, like I get like the two things I want to bring up with the Donovan Mitchell injury, other than what we brought up, like expect him to be out for about two weeks. But the two things are one, um, how do you think this will impact the the race for number one? Do you think this will put the Jazz at a disadvantage, and we might have to finish up two with how good the Suns are playing? And the second thing, like, do you think this will give a chance to the other jazz players to who have been in shooting slumps to come back, get back into the rhythm so that when Donovan Mitchell comes back, it's just like a, a plug and play and the team's ready, ready for him? Yeah, I definitely think that this is an opportunity to um, hopefully get Jordan Clarkson a bit out of his slump, but definitely Bojan Bogdanovic. If Bojan's able to get to the point where you can expect 15-plus points from him a game, that instantly just raises the Jazz's level of competition, um, level of ability to compete just by a lot. So that's really what I want to see is if we're able to get Bojan back, that'll be the best thing for the Jazz. I know there were a lot of people who wanted to trade him at the deadline, and I don't necessarily think that was the right decision, but I see why people would want that to happen. And I think that he has a chance to come back, especially where he's been playing pretty well these last few games. And if he gets back to, I mean, 80, 90% of his former self, I that gives me a lot more confidence that the Jazz will be able to make it to the Western Conference Finals, even if they end up playing the Lakers in the second round. I do, I do think it's going to get tight. The real question is, you know, when starting on Monday, this is the um, Suns schedule in order. Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Boston, Brooklyn, um, then play the Knicks, then play the Lakers. Sorry, not the Lakers, the Clippers. That's a six-game stretch there. Brutal that's, schedule. That's brutal. And if they go four and two, or if they go five and one, then I don't know if the Jazz can keep the one seed. But I think they're more inclined to split it, especially when Philadelphia-Boston is a back-to-back 
you know, Brooklyn, New York is a back-to-back. Then you have to fly all the way to um, Phoenix to play L.A. So I really think we need to see the um, Suns go 3-3 three and three in that stretch or 4-2 and two, or 2-4 two and four for the Jazz to – for me to feel really confident about the Jazz getting the one seed. The Jazz might drop one or two games they wouldn't have over the course of the Donovan Mitchell injury, which still gives the Jazz a leg up. But it's going to be – it's going to be rough and the Suns might be able to steal the one seed and the Donovan Mitchell injury might be why, but I'm still inclined to think that that's not going to happen and that the jazz will be able to keep the one seed. Yeah. And, and looking at that tough uh, schedule for the Suns, the jazz are right there at the end of it. And, and like, we're looking from the oh, yeah. perspective, but from that, the rest of the NBA, you're looking like, Oh, like you're playing like the, top two teams in the east the top team in the west the third seed in the west and like boston and new york who are both playoff teams and you yeah like, new york being the one that might be the the best rest and boston you know having one of the most bipolar seasons in yeah. nba history but i hadn't thought about that the jazz are going to be getting the suns when the suns are tired they're going to have been fighting a lot and even if they pick up those wins it could be prime for the Jazz to beat them, even without Donovan. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think that, you know, we have enough guard depth that the Jazz are capable of winning a lot of games without Donovan. The scariest thing yesterday in the game for me was that Derek Favors was taking the day off. And it's like, who's going to be getting the backup center minutes? So I, I do think that Donovan's not as, it's not as terrible to have Donovan out as it is to have Gobert or Favors out from a depth standpoint for the Jazz. Definitely, because yeah. when when Mitchell's out, you have a lot of other ball handlers. You have yeah. Conley, you have Ingles, you have Clarkson, and then there's a number of other people that aren't typically ball handlers off the bench, but can be. Yeah, and you can bring in um, Brantley, or you can bring in Mia Oni. You can like bring in those players to like. I guess Brantley's at power forward, listed at power forward, but you can bring in Oni as a really strong guard who would be starting on other teams in the league or not starting, but getting significant bench minutes and bring him into the rotation. And that works out pretty well for the jazz. Of course, the jazz though, one of their power forwards is six, five because we're just the (laughs) smallest team in the league that your power forward is the size of, you know, like is that Brantley? That's Brantley. He's six five, two fifty. He doesn't play like a power forward. No, he, he's a shooter. He plays, he, he's a he plays small, like a two three. Yeah, he's like a small forward. He's not a. I agree. I mean, what? Since power forward, you you start getting up to like six nine, six ten with most of the league. Like, he's yeah. small for a small <laughs> forward. So, well, I guess Mitchell's small for a shooting guard too. So, yeah, like, like I said, shooting guard is normally six four, six five. <laughs> the Jets are just tiny. And they're playing really well without it since when, you know, go bears in the center, you know, when he's in the center position, that helps everybody else. So, Hey, well, thank, thank (laughs) my brain is dead. (laughs) Thanks everyone for watching up to this point. We really appreciate it. Join me this afternoon for the post game on the Lakers game and join us Monday as well for that one. Thanks again for joining. Like, subscribe, comment, and we'd love to have more discussions about what you think about Dwayne Wade being the, um, the new owner, a new owner for the Utah Jazz, and how you feel like Donovan Mitchell's injury is going to impact them. So, thanks so much, and go Jazz! <laughs>